Hi everyone, I want to take a moment and thank you so much for all of you who have been listening to these podcasts. I am beyond blessed to be able to minister and since 2016 we've uploaded about 131 episodes between sermons and interviews and this has been nothing but a blessing and God has grown my faith and my hope is that God has grown your faith through all these podcast episodes and I want to ask you if you could do something for me. I would love for you to reach out to me and let me know how this podcast podcast has made a difference in your life. If you want to leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would mean so much to me, primarily because this is a way for other people to find out about this podcast. So if you could do that, I would really, really appreciate it. But even if you can't, I am very, very thankful for the time that you choose to download and listen. Maybe I don't know every single one of you, but I look forward to one day maybe meeting you at some conference or so on. So thank you so much again, and God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, as I've mentioned, if you're going to college, God bless you. We will be praying for you. But if you don't, you most likely are going in construction because that's what, that's what Russian people do. They go to construction ed. Um, for, a, for a season there in my life, um, I graduated from high school and I couldn't afford because we just came to the U.S. and I couldn't really afford to go to college, you know. So for a season... I had to go through construction, and if man, if you go, if you work in construction, like you know, I, I feel your pain because I got fired a couple times. <laughs> Maybe it was just a couple times. Uh, I remember this one particular time I was doing um, a tile, and after a week of doing my hardest trying to you know make it in this job, I was getting paid minimum wage. But regardless, I was trying my best. You know, the guy just looked at me and says, "Like, I don't think you're cut off for tile." And uh, I'm like, I'll try harder. And he's like, oh, that's not going to be necessary. Uh, Here's your last check. (laughs) So uh, I have my own really bad experiences with construction. But if you are doing construction, you know, my hat goes out to you. It's it's hard work. And uh, I remember how many times I've just messed up. And one time I decided, like, I don't need a boss. I can do things on my own. And uh, this lady somehow trusted me, which she shouldn't have, but she did. And she asked me to install a fence. And as I was, you know, I, I came to her house and I just kind of drew out what I'm going to install for her. And she was so excited. And I was so excited. And I started to dig the f- footings for the fence. It just so happens that that morning, the whole ground was just frozen. Have you ever tried to dig in frozen ground? It's not exactly the best experience. So I tried to dig, you know, as much as I could, and, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, that'll do, you know, because this was before Boeing, before I understood, like, how math works and how aerodynamics on, you know, especially wind when it comes to a fence works. So I just, I just kind of dug these shallow footings, and I poured the concrete, and then I put, you know, the, the brackets, and I put the, you know, the, um, the, you know, poles, whatever, in the ground, and I built this fence, took me like a couple days to do it. And it just so happens that the weather changed in these three days or so. It changed so much that now it was sunny. It was kind of rainy, but it was, you know, Washington. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of rainy. It's kind of sunny. And the ground was no longer, you know, frozen. Overnight, literally, I think it was overnight, after I got done with the project, overnight, there was a storm. And I get a phone call very, very early. 
And it's the homeowner. And she's like, hey, Slavik, you should come by. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, am I getting a promotion, a check? And as I'm pulling you know, up to this house, I see my beloved fans, right, that I've spent so many, you know, a few days, but whatever, like so much of my effort just completely on the ground. And the homeowner is just kind of like, well, needless to say, I was very embarrassed. I came out of the car, and I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to pay for anything. I'll just try to fix it. And this time, I made sure, I'd really made sure that those footings are done properly. Because, you see, I didn't really care about footings. You know, footings, it's not like anybody's going to see them. They're underground. But they matter. And Matthew 7.24 says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus is taking this moment. I, what I love about Jesus so much is he doesn't use like very theological language, you know, like, you know, what do you think about eschatological things, you know? Like, he, does, he uses very plain language, but he, you know, he tries to convey these very, very big ideas, what I love about Jesus, he would not just go up to a kid and start saying things that the kid would not understand. And obviously, he went to these people that knew how to build a house, and he's saying the kingdom of God, where a person's you know, you know, relationship with God, is kind of like this. And he'd always bring, like, for example, he talked about how the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out to sow, because they understood what a farmer does. And I figured if I'm going to preach a message to Russian people, <laughs> construction seems appropriate, right? And Jesus uses this example and he says, if you, uh, if you listen to what I have to say and you put these words into practice, you will be like a man who is wise, who built his house on a rock. And no matter what kind of storms beat against the house, it never came cr crashing down. But if you're foolish, if you listen to the words of mine and you just decide to do things on your own, like, oh, I don't have to do this. Because you see, there's a lot of people that are following Jesus, just like there's a lot of people that come to our church. Man, I never, I never saw this eight years ago when we started with four people, 20 people in the adult service. And to see now that we're ministering in five different campuses and like, I've never saw this, but I know that within this great church that we, we've, we've been building for the last eight years, actually God has been building, but you know, we've been aiding the process. I know that there's a lot of us that we don't really take things seriously. And Jesus comes and says, look, you can listen to me. You can come here for a free lunch. You can come for the miracles. You can come for all that. But unless, unless you take what I have to say and put them into practice, it does not count. 
Now, we've been doing church for quite some time, and you can come, you can hear a good sermon. And Pastor Yuri, I loved your sermon. Pastor Yuri, the, the way you guys lead worship, you could look at that and you be, can be blessed by that. But Jesus is saying, if you don't take what you hear and put it into practice, if you don't understand what this plan looks like into practice, then ultimately you're not building a house on the rock. You're building your house on sand. Our pastor, Pastor Vasily, we, you know, we always meet like at least once a month and it's just one-on-one with him and, and we talk about the dreams that we have and, and he's like, well, do you think you want to maybe, you know, move into the main service? I'm like, nah, I love young people. Like, I love being in the youth ministry because I think the youth ministry is, you know, when you talk about uh, junior high, high school, college, and YA, I think these are some of the most important years of your life, especially when it comes to, like, junior high. From the time you're 14 to about 20, you are laying the foundation for your life. I've seen friends that I grew up with at 14 years old, they were doing prayers, and one of them is Alex Koibaba, and now he's leading a campus, and now he's, you know, and then I've seen other friends that are 14 years old, they would come to prayers, they would be in the same prayers, they would hear the same messages, they would hear all these things, but at the end of the day, now they just graduated from a five-year rehab program. And I'm like, what a difference, even though we went to the same church, listened to the same people, did the same things, what a difference. And I've seen people like that, that they've, they've been trying so hard to come back to Christ, and it's so difficult for them. Why? Because all their habits are instilled in, those kind of, in that kind of life, lifestyle. How you build your house, how you start, it's very, very important. You know, um, I, uh, I bought a house about two years ago, and I got into construction. And by the way, if you ever want to do that, don't. Because uh, <laughs> it always, it always, like I, I, I always say, <laughs> I say now that like if you want to go and remodel a house, you know, take your budget, you double it, you add some more, and you're pretty close. You know, same thing, take the same thing when it comes to your time. Like, you know, you think this is going to be six months? Go to a year, maybe add another six months, and about a year and a half, that you're pretty close. It always, it's, it's, it's more costly than you expected, you know, unless obviously you really have been doing this for a very long time and know what you're doing, but if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to take longer, it's going to take a lot more, it's going to be a lot more expensive than you anticipated. But of course, you don't have to do it. You could just go buy a tent. You don't need to build a two-story house. You could just go get a tent. A tent is 20 bucks at Walmart. I checked. It's awesome. And they're very colorful, and I love them. Like, you, you can set one, and you're like, this is amazing. Look, it just makes me happy looking at the tent. Like, blue and yellow. But you see, unless you're a kid, you understand that a tent is not exactly, you know, a house. I remember we went camping with Alex Baba again. We went camping, and we, we decided we were going to go buy a $20 tent, and we set it up, and we were in this tent, and in the middle of the night, we hear these, like, we hear these, these animal noises, and I'm like, we're good. We're in a tent. And then I'm thinking, like, this is so dumb. Like, if somebody, like, if there was a bear, and if, if the bear was really hungry, like, that tent is not going to stop it. And, and if, you, if, there's a, if there's a storm, well, the only thing that holds you to ground is maybe like four pegs. You know how like, you put the tent in with like four pegs? And I'm like, the only thing that's holding you to the ground is that. And you're going, if there's a storm that's like 
powerfully enough. I've seen those YouTube videos. You, you, don't, don't pretend like you haven't. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You can go down the hill with your tent. Because it's not, not a lot of things that hold you to the ground. Oh, but it's nice. It's colorful. I, I feel like a lot of times we do that with Christianity. Oh, you mean <laughs> we need to have a house? Um, I could just have a tent. We can have a Christianity that's very colorful. We can speak Christianese. Oh, brother, <laughs> I, uh, the Satan has been uh, really after me. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 3 uh, says, uh, I don't remember exactly, but it's, it's written somewhere in there. Like, you know, um, so, so we can have a very shallow Christianity. It's very colorful. Oh, you let everyone know that your Christianity is, you know, it's important to you, you know, like I put God first and all that stuff. But you see, if you are an adult, you understand that your family to survive, it needs more than a tent. You need a house. You, you need something that's... It's a, but see, the thing is, if you go into a house now, it's going to cost you a lot more than 20 bucks. If you're going to build a shallow Christianity in your life, yeah, you can attend once in a blue moon and be a Christian CEO, you know, the Christmas and Easter only, those kind of people. Like, you can do that and, and have a shallow Christianity that's not going to cost you very much. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be contributing very much. But when the storm comes, when the bear comes, <laughs> good luck, I don't know. Like, that's not going to protect you. And unfortunately, I see a lot of things like that. Where someone's 40, when it comes to Christianity, all they've built is a tent. Or they've built some kind of shack. They've never put in the work into the foundation. And now they're 40 and the whole thing starts crashing down. The moment they have an anger issue, they walk out on their family. They walk out on their kids. And their whole life collapses, collapses under its own weight. You know, when, you, when, when your house collapses, you can't just hire a crane to pick it up and put it back on the stills or on the, its foundation. When, when a, have you seen the images in Texas when a storm hit a house? You have to, it, it's a lot harder to put it back together. You know, the whole Humpty Dumpty, like it's, it's a lot harder to put them back together again. Because you see, there's a time where you have to dig a foundation. There's a time where you have to lay a foundation. There's a time where you build the walls and then you put the roof. You don't put the roof first and then you put the foundation on top. What we've seen, especially a lot of times in the Russian community too, is people that they put the roof on, but then they're 16, they're trying to build the foundation for their life. And it's sort of upside down. <laughs> The houses are not meant to be built like that. Christianity, there's a season in your life. Now, I understand if you came to Christ maybe in your 30s or 40s, I get that. But if you grew up in the Christian faith, if you grew up in the Christian family, right now there's a season in your life where maybe you're called to dig really deep or lay a foundation or be building your house. But the problem with digging deep I noticed that a lot of the money that I've spent for that house went into the foundation. I'm like, why? Like, nobody's going to see it. Nobody walks into your house and like, oh, 
Love the house, but the foundation, bro. The foundation is the... Nobody cares about that. They're like, oh, nice knobs. And like, hey, these cabinets are awesome. And and like, where did you get the faucet from? But the problem is, if the foundation is faulty, all that stuff is useless. Because once you start seeing cracks in your house, once the storm hits and your house is a pile of rubble, you're not going to look like, oh, here goes our faucet. That's nice. There goes our cabinets. You don't care about that. Foundations only matter <laughs> when, when the storm hits and when the earthquake hit, hits. Then you really wish that you've spent enough time building the foundation of your life. Jesus says this in Luke 14, 25. Because you, you see, if you're going to actually engage into this and say, hey, I don't want to have a tent. I, have a, I, I want my Christianity to not only be enough for me in my house, but for people that are around me and people in my church. I want people to find refuge underneath the roof of my house, the Christianity that I've built. Maybe some people that will have, you know, how George W. talked about standing in the gap and how, how a lot of people, maybe you're going to look around, their life has have collapsed. We're called not to just take care of our families. We're called to reach out to marginalized and broken and people who have their life collapse collapsing on them but you see if you're going to do that it's going to cost you and then luke 14 25 says this now a great crowd accompanied him or jesus and he jesus turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not listen to this does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. A better translation is by comparison. Jesus is saying that if you are not willing to leave everything for my sake, you're not, you're not worthy of this calling. Jesus is saying that, Peter, I know you have a wife because we know he had their mother-in-law, so obviously we know he had a wife. But Jesus was crucified upside, I mean, Peter was crucified upside down. It cost him. Have you imagined explaining that to your future spouse if you're married to your spouse right now? Yeah, honey, like, um, yeah, I think Jesus is calling me to be crucified upside down, but I'll see you after. I mean, we'll be fine. How do you even explain that? Adam McCain said that, he says, he says that I told my wife, if I ever have to choose between Jesus and you, honey, I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> And you're thinking about, like, who in their right mind can make those kind of commitments? But Jesus is saying, look, it's going to cost you. What he's saying is, if you follow after me, this road is eventually going to lead to the cross at some point. And it's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you a reputation. It's going to cost your money. It's going to cost your, your kind of like your ambitions and your dreams. It might cost you relationships that God is telling you even right now in this moment that you shouldn't be dating that guy or you shouldn't be, you know, dating that girl or so on and so forth. It's going to cost you things. You're going to have to give things up. And when everyone is playing video games and everyone is doing all these things, you know, going to the mountains and not doing anything productive, maybe God is calling you in this season to be digging now, it's, the thing is, is that digging in sand is one thing. Have you tried digging in rock? It's not very fun. Digging in rock is, is, is very difficult, actually. 
But Jesus says, you're going to have to put in the work. He goes on to say, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, he's not able to finish it. All uh, who see will begin to mock him, saying, this man has begun to build uh, and was not able to finish it. And Jesus says, well, look, before you even start digging, sit down and count the cost. And it's not just about digging. It's about building foundation. How much this is going to cost you. It's not just how you start. It's how you actually finish. It's, it's sad when I drive by houses that somebody started three years ago and they're still kind of like, you know, like they're, they don't have like older stuff on there. And it's like, this house has been building for like three years. Apparently the guy ran out of money and it's sad. And then I, I see young people in the church that went to a Bible college and they came back and you're looking at their life and it's kind of like that unfinished work. You know what I mean? Like what's happening with you? They started, but it's not going anywhere. But before you even get started digging, you have to figure out where you're going to dig. You're going to have to pay, like you're going to have to buy a piece of land. Now you have a choice. You can go buy, you know, you don't have to buy a piece of land. You can go live in the jungle. In the jungle, you can just go and build a house. and Nobody's going to ask you, hey, you know, what are you doing? Unless it's some kind of national park or whatever. And it's owned by the government. But if you build in a city, it comes with taxes and benefits. Because if you build in the, in the jungle, if anything comes up against you, you're by yourself. But in the city, in the city, there's a fire department. And there's roads. And if your house collapses you can find shelter at the nearest friend. So, so what I'm trying to say is you can go and say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian by myself in the jungle somewhere. I'm just going to do my own thing. Jesus did not call you to do that, by the way. He called you to be plugged in in the church. But if you're plugged in in the city, it's going to cost you. You're going to hear sermons like, hey, you should give of your time, of your money. It's going to come with taxes, <laughs> But in the city, in the church, you see, right now it doesn't make as much sense, but back in the day, the city was actually surrounded by a wall. And that's how they would actually keep safe is from the enemies because they were inside of the city and they would have watchmen on the walls that would watch for any kind of threat. And then when they saw a threat, they would, their job would be to alert the whole city, and the whole city would have their own army and so on and so forth. In the church, God has placed watchmen like pastors and leaders, and they're constantly watching for any threat that comes up against the church. God has placed a wall you know, around the church. So I'm asking you, now, There'll be times where God is going to call you to go minister outside a city because people did get out of the city sometimes. But I hope you understand about the importance of building your, your, your Christianity within the church. I'm not talking about the church as in the four walls. I'm talking about the bigger picture of, of the church as it spreads throughout history, as it spreads throughout, you know, because obviously we don't, we don't all live in the same city. I'm talking about the church as it spreads throughout history, throughout cultures. In the church, you will get hurt. People gossip about you. I wish to tell you that it's not true, but it is. In the church, you'll be asked to sacrifice beyond what you can. 
In the church, you will, you know, you will give a lot of your time and then there's still going to be a need. In the church, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to have difficult people, people that are manipulative and they want, all they want to do is manipulate you. In the church, it's going to be like your family, you know? The uncle at Thanksgiving that always talks about things that she shouldn't be talking about and always starts political conversations. Okay, you don't have that uncle, you probably have an aunt. But like, you know what I'm talking about? Like in the family, you love them, but you're like, ugh. You know, there's always this. But in that chaos, God teaches us how to love, how to cherish one another, how to forgive, how to, to find redemption, how to ask for forgiveness. In that mess, somehow God is teaching us and molding us and shaping our character. In the church, you will have all that and then some. But in the church, you learn how to forgive. You'll learn what true love is and redemption and so on and so forth. And you'll have pastors that will mend in your relationship. What's wrong? Like, why, why can't I just date whoever I want? <laughs> yeah, you could date whoever you want to do, uh, whoever you want to date. But at the end of the day, the, pa- the reason you tell a pastor is because you want to have someone holding you accountable. If a guy doesn't respect pastors and Jesus himself, do you think he's going to respect you? In the church, God has placed different boundaries. God has placed different people to watch over this. So it's important that you build your Christianity, not just by yourself somewhere. Because you know what I've noticed? Now when you're 16, but working with YA, people after 25, if they're isolated, they get weird. Like I'll have someone that I hang out with when they're young, at 16 or 18. Now follow me with this, you know. And then I meet them, and they, 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 they've been working the whole time, and they, they've been isolated, and they have like, yeah, bro, this energy. Like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? This is not you. Where they're all into like extremely into one thing, like CrossFit or being vegan. Or, and that's all they talk about. You're, you're like, what is happening with you? You know what's happening? Is they didn't have no one in their life to balance their ideas and say, that's weird. You should probably not be talking 24-7. It's fine if you're doing that. That's healthy. And if you're doing it, like, but when you start, that's all, that's all your, your life is about. So, so when you actually in community, you balance your ideas. God rebukes you. God raises you up. You are speaking their life. They, they're speaking to yours. And you're able to flourish. Because how do you grow? By actually being stretched. By being, that's what you do at the gym, right? Like By, by actually ha- pushing a load that normally you would not push on your day-to-day basis. In the church, you'll be asked to do certain things that normally you don't do when you're at home. You'll have to awkwardly walk to someone that doesn't want to talk to you and be like, hey, I'm Slave, good to meet you. And they're like, uh, who are you again? And uh, where you hug someone, they're stiff, and you're like, well, that was weird. And so you walk away. Like, in the church, you're going to have things, moments that are awkward, things that, like, will, you know, I'm like, Lord, seriously, like, when he speaks to me, like, go and reach, and I have to do, like, a beeline and go for that person, and I'm like, Lord, seriously, can we not do this right now? And I begin to reason with him, but he never, he, he never takes my ideas for some reason. Like, he always just, you know, you'll be asked to step out of your comfort zone. And once you get that plot of land, once you, you're going to have to start digging. What's been happening in the Russian community is a lot of us have tents. Oh, <laughs> I don't like this piece of land. I'm just going to take my tent and just move it over here, <laughs> go to this church, and then I'm going to take it. <laughs> well, that church has just been, like, weird, so I'm just going to move it here. 
Well, you could do that. You know why? Because the only thing that's holding you to the ground is four pegs. But when you've been digging somewhere, the reason I don't church, uh, change churches every other like month, whatever I feel like, is because I know unless God speaks, I am moving. He's called me to dig here. Unless he speaks, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. And it's not going to be over like, oh, I'm just going to move my tent because I can't really move my tent. I'm building here more than just a tent. Start digging. You want to you wanna be passionate about ministry? Easy. Start labor. Start investing. You care about your car. I mean, you guys have some really nice cars, but I know that. And if I were to go in, your, in the parking lot and take my key and key your car, you would care quickly. You might not care about somebody else's, but if it was yours, you would care. You know why? Because you spent a lot of money on that car. And you worked a lot to get that car. And you were invested. You want to care about ministry? Be invested. Start digging. You want your heart to be attached to, to ministry? Invest. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a nice car. God bless you. I hope that you have even better cars. What I'm saying is, is that invest. And if you want your passion, your heart to be here, you're going to have to invest here. It's easy to go around and start criticizing pastors and criticizing churches, but it's your baby. When somebody starts talking bad about it, like, what do you mean? I've been working on this. You've been crying for it. You've been losing your voice, if you're Max. Uh, camp for it. You, you've been giving money for it. You've been, you're completely invested. And naturally, your heart follows where your treasure is. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a nice car. I'm just saying that your car shouldn't be a bigger treasure than your ministry is. Where you, where, what has God called you to do here? That should be a bigger treasure than your car and your house and so on and so forth. Start digging. But here's the other thing. If you build a rambler, a one to two feet of a footing, it's usually okay. But some of you are not just called to be a godly man or a godly woman for your own family. You're called to a ministry that's going to house millions. You're called to build a skyscraper. And if you're called to build a skyscraper, you're going to have to go a lot deeper than two feet. You see, terrorists don't fly <laughs> planes into tents. They fly them into buildings. Aerodynamics, when we talk about aerodynamics and how the wind pushes, it pushes against the building differently than against a tent. The higher up you go, the deeper you have to go. The deeper the foundation has to be for your life. If God has called you to be a pastor, um, if God's called you to be in worship, if God's called you any kind of ministry, you're going to have to deal with broken people. Um, last Thursday, last, this Thursday, on live stream, somebody asked me, and they're like, Slavik, how has being a pastor changed you emotionally? And I'm like, I've never had somebody ask me this question. And I, I usually have pretty good answers right away, but this one, it just, it really took me back. Because floods of memories started to like just come into my mind. And I said this, I said, being a pastor is unlike any other job. And now, now let me qualify this. God has called you to be a pastor. Right now, if you're leading a group, God has called you to be a pastor to that group. If you're leading a group or school, you know, you are a, you're pastoring those people. I'm not, you are pastoring them. And I'm like, being a pastor has changed me in a way that like, because, look, when I work at Boeing, I don't get emotionally involved with my coworkers. 
I don't go and start, they don't tell me everything about their life. They'll just tell me, hey, you know, I had a nice time this weekend. But when, you, when it comes to being a pastor, you're always involved emotionally with a person. You've been praying for a person for a year, and then you realize that the person walked away from, from faith. And it's no longer affecting them, it affects you. Your heart is broken because of that person. It's going to take, emotionally, it's going to take a toll on you. And for me, like now that I know about this, like I always, you know, because we want to psychologically sort of like keep our distance from anything that hurts us. So like on one hand, I know God calls me to move towards the broken and marginalized. But on the other hand, I'm like, I know I felt that before. And, and I know that if, I don't want to experience that heartbreak again. I don't want to pray for someone a year and then experience them going back into the world. And you're like, what's going on? It's going to have, it's going to cost you emotionally is what I'm saying. So if you are building a skyscraper, you're going to have to have a different foundation. You're going to have to go a lot deeper than just sort of like your two feet normal thing. But if you want to build a house just for your family, that's fine. But I feel like God has called you to be, some, some of you God is calling you to be a great missionary doctor somewhere, you know, in Africa. Some, some of you God is calling you to be a pastor or a missionary. Some of you God is calling you to lead an enterprise of, uh, into business that is going to maybe have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that you will be in charge of. I hope that that Christianity that you have when the storm of media comes against you, when the spotlight is on you, like you just kind of heard about Joel Osteen this week. <laughs> I hope, like I, I'm not going to go into that whole argument. I'm just saying like the storms will be coming. It just so happens to him it was quite literal and then it came more like media storm. And the storm, people will put you on the spot. People will call you names. People will criticize you. And I ho- hope that your Christianity can withstand that. You will have death in the family. You will have things that, and I hope that in those moments, your Christian faith can, can actually hold. Um, so once you lay the foundation, once you, you know, uh, once you dug up, you, you first going to, you know, people in the old days, they used to build houses differently than they build them right now. Right now, they just pour a foundation. But the biblical language, what they would do is they would dig up and they would put like a footing like a, of a foundation, but then they would put what, what was called the cornerstone. A cornerstone, it was sort of like you had two arms like this and one arm that went like this. And people would spend weeks trying to set this cornerstone in place. You know why? Because this cornerstone, this cornerstone kind of like dictated how the whole building was going to go. Because he actually set this wall, this wall, in the vertical wall. And we have this amazing passage uh, in Ephesians 2, 19. says this, so, no, so now Gentiles are no longer strangers in a foreign land. He, uh, you, are not, you are citizens along with God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. So Apostle Paul says, the foundation's sort of already been laid, but, you know, like, so, so we know the prophets, that, that's like the Old Testament, right? And then he's talking about the apostles, kind of like the New Testament. And then he says, this is how we want to 
kind of set our life. Our life has to be kind of rooted in what God said in the biblical scripture, like Old New Testament, prophets and the apostles. But then what arranges everything, what connects everything, what connects, because what's it called? The cornerstone also connect the house with the foundation. It says what holds everything in place is Jesus Christ. The stone that the builders have rejected became the cornerstone. So some of you are making choices right now. What, what school you go to? What kind of Christianity are you going to live? I'm hoping that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of every single decision that you have. I'm hoping that you don't just think of, I, I kind of disagree with the idea of like putting God first. Because I think it gives a false impression. Oh, if I give God half an hour in the morning, then we're good. No, God wants to be at the center of everything that you do. If you take a shower, worship during that. If you're washing dishes, have Jesus at the center of that. The way you talk to your mom, have Jesus at the center. The way you have your relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, have Jesus at the center of that. The way you do things at work, have Jesus in the center of that. When you get in the car, it doesn't say pray for three hours. It says pray without ceasing. It kind of looks like this. Lord Jesus, I have a test. Lord, I, I, want, I really need your help on this. Lord, thank you so much for that test. That was really hard. The way you talk to your friends every single, like throughout the whole day, God says that pray without ceasing. It's a constant thing. In every single thing that you do, make Jesus the center of that thing. There's a book called Practicing the Presence by E.M. Bounds. Um, and it, it talks about how we are called to day by day, every single time you sin, you go to the cross. Every single, well, I hope you go to the cross every single morning in your devotion. And like, and every single thing that you do, you exalt God. If you sinned, you exalt God by repenting and saying, God, please forgive me. And in the same, same second, not like some down the road. Let Jesus be the cornerstone that ties everything together in your life. I have two more points, and we're going to come to a, to a close. The next thing is going to be, what do you build with? There's a passage in, I believe, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.9. Uh, he, he says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we are both God's workers, and we are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace, I have laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now, Others are laying on it, but whoever is building, now listen to this, but whoever is building, but whoever is building, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than we already have Christ Jesus. So make sure you understand that we, Jesus revealed in the scripture, we, we build on that. It goes on to say, anyone who builds on this foundation or on that foundation may use a variety of material, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, and straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burnt up, the builder will suffer great loss. But the builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through the flames. Let's unpack that for a second. Apostle Paul says, look, we have this great foundation, which is Jesus connected to the cornerstone. We have the, the scripture. He says, this is our foundation. You want to build higher, you got to go deeper into that. But on this foundation, what you built with, you can build with gold, silver, and jewels. 
He puts them all together with the next section, but I think this is different because the next section is wood, hay, and straw. These are two very different things. First of all, gold, silver, and uh, what was the other one? <laughs> I already missed it. And jewels, right? These are really hard to find. They're very expensive. Wood, hay, and straw, like, <laughs> there's some hay. <laughs> well, hay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can go, go get it anywhere, right? Like, you can, you can go to the field. You can, you can go cut down a tree and build a house with wood. But there's a warning here that on the judgment day, there will be a great fire and everything will burn up. Now, let me ask you this. I know this is very redundant, but I'm trying to make a point here. If you put a wood, hay, and straw through fire, does it stand? It burns up. If you put silver, gold, jewels through the fire, they stand. And he says, keep in mind, you can build with whatever you want. But on judgment day, you will know what you've been building with. What's the difference between these two? Well, this one is usually found underground. You have to dig deep to get them. Gold? Oh, hey, some gold. <laughs> Pick it up. No, it's not like that. You actually have to dig to get it. Wood, hay, and straw, you just go and pick it up. He's making a point here, and it's a broader one. And the point is this, is that in ministry, the fruits of the Spirit, you know, the humility, the love, the kindness, the gentleness, all those things that when, when somebody is, is murdering your character and you still respond with loving kindness and gentleness, those are the things that God really looks as gold. Things that, you know, when, when nobody's watching, but you do by yourself in the background, to God, that is gold. That you're not doing it for yourself or for your name, you're doing it unto Him. That's the gold. But what you do before everyone, like, you know, wood, hay, and straw, that'll burn up. The way I preach, if I'm, all I am is big words and charisma, that's going to burn up. There has to be a more authentic faith than just charisma, you know, moving your hands around and making jokes. That is not going to stand What's going to stand on Judgment Day is how I loved people, how I treated them, how I forgave them, how, how I what I stood for, if I stood for the gospel, not for man-made ideas. Those are the things that will, will stand. But unfortunately, those things are usually hidden. Nobody goes around like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like Nobody sees when you are about to burst, but then you decided to be loving, kind. to them. Nobody really knows the deep things that you're struggling with. But everyone knows how loud you are and how much, many jokes you make and, you know, if you have a position of, you know, predominance. Like, you know, those are the things that on, on Judgment Day will not stand. I want to mention this one thing that once we have a house that's built, I hope you use the right materials. I, I hope that this ministry you're building is built out of humility and loving and a passion for people and for the Lord. I hope this is, a, it is drenched in holiness and not in like personality and charisma and all those things. And then the last thing, when you have a house, a ministry that's built, you'll look around you and there's going to be people that their houses have, felt, have fell apart. I hope that your house and the Christianity you've built is enough for those people to find refuge 
to come to you and say, would you pray with me? And that's what God has called us into this building, I mean, into this, this city with all these buildings. He's called us to be a refuge for those people whose lives have been falling apart. But it's really hard to give them shelter when your house is falling apart. It's really hard to do that when you're 40 and you haven't been spending your young years building a foundation and now your whole life is imploding. It's really because you have emergencies of your own. It's really hard for other people to find refuge in your house and your house is, is in shambles. People in Texas don't go like, oh, that house is messed up too. Let's go find shelter there. No, they go to buildings where shelter can be found. Now, I happen to believe that God has called you to amazing things. I wouldn't be doing this, and most of our pastors are, and volunteers are doing this for free. We're doing it because, because not because of our charisma or getting a platform, all that. Trust me, you'll get to a time where you like preaching is no longer like when you don't preach, you're like, oh, this is amazing. I'm not going to get poured into today, you know? Like, where the worship, <laughs> if you're in worship, there will be a day where you're like, man, I just want to like, Enjoy service today. I don't have to be on stage. I don't have to. <laughs> Carolina's nodding because she knows what I'm talking about. We are called to have people find refuge under, under the roof of, of the ministry that we've been building. There's a story that I want to close with, and is, there's this preacher by the, name of, by the name of Paris Reedhead. And he says that he had this vision. He fell asleep or he doesn't know if he was asleep or he was a vision. But he says he, he had this vision of him being in heaven and everyone had this like bucket and they would walk up to this fire. And the angel would take the bucket and drop it into the fire and then he would take a shovel and pull the ashes up and either there was just ashes or there would be a crown. And I kind of understood, he, he was saying, I kind of understood what this was all about. And I was so anxious to, to see what is my life going to reveal. And as I gave my bucket to like this box to, to, the, to the angel, they dropped into the fire. And as they pulled it up, all I saw in that shovel was just ashes. And I understood at that moment that I have to change my ways. If your Christianity is just a tent, it's going to burn. I hope that this can be a turning point for our church and for people to come here that we have to build with more than just flashy things. You know, things that nobody really sees, but you're like, God has called me, and I don't care if Pastor Yuri sees me or not. I'm going to do this because he's called me. I'm going to build a foundation, and, and while everyone is out there and like having fun, I'm going to open up my Bible and have my devotion and dig deep. Not just like, oh, Jesus loved me. Yes, I know that's, that's an amazing revelation. But you need to go deeper than that. And when you start building, I hope you, you run to the things that nobody wants to do, knowing that God has a purpose for the people that nobody really wants to talk to. Because, you know, they're odd. They say things like the energy and like... But I noticed that when these people come to our church, they start talking to people and they slowly become like one of us. And it's a glorious thing. It's amazing to see the change and the progression. Now, if you, I'm not talking about you, most likely I'm talking about your neighbor. No, I'm joking. Like, 
You know what I'm talking about when God starts changing a person? And after years, you're talking to them and they're like, this is amazing. This person is just on fire for God. And I remember when they just sort of were nowhere to be found. So would you stand with me today? Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you and inspire you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, would you share it with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you. Hey everyone, I want to take a moment and thank you so much to all of you who have been downloading and listening to these podcasts. Recently, a friend of mine called me out of the blue and he said, hey, I want to be part of the ministry that you are doing and I want to financially support you. So I told him that for the last four years, I've been paying to host this podcast online. So he decided that he will pay for a year worth of podcast hosting. This nice gesture made me think maybe there are more people that would like to partner up with me in ministry. Oftentimes, when when I'm asked to minister at some church, a lot of the churches don't have enough money to cover my travel, my time that I took off of work, and the expenses that come with being in a different state. So I created a fund where all the proceeds that come into this fund from the online platforms will be used towards ministry, be it travel expenses or podcast production, or creating any other form of ministry content. You can give through the link in the show notes. However, if you cannot support me financially, I encourage you to pray and if you can, rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much again and God bless.